Hi, and welcome to Sip, Sip, Hooray, the podcast. I'm Mary Babbitt. And I'm Mary Orlin. And you've come to the place where wine is always fun. We're glad you're here with us. We want to be a show that you turn to to learn more about wine, but to kind of debunk the whole wine needs to be stuffy thing. Absolutely. We want you to try something new and exciting and get out of your Cabernet and Chardonnay rut. Today on our show, we're going to take you on a little field trip. We are taking the show on the road. This time, we're headed to the heart of the Silicon Valley, where amid all of the technology that surrounds the valley, you'll also find a really cool winery known for their Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. And it's also one of California's most historic wineries, so it's really cool that it's here. People don't really think about Silicon Valley and wine, especially from the late 1800s, but it's right here. And this place happens to be one of our favorite places to go and just hang out and have some great wine. Out on that deck, so nice. So come along with us as we visit Testarossa Winery. We are here at the Testarossa Winery and Vineyards in Los Gatos, California, in the heart of Silicon Valley. And we are talking today to Rob Jensen, who's the co-founder of the winery, which he started up in his garage more than 20 years ago. 25 years ago. Congratulations. Thank you. It's, uh, I feel like uh, it was really important to start at a young age because uh, now in my mid-50s, uh, I still got a long way to go. Uh, Robert Mondavi started his winery uh, his name when he was 54, so I feel like I'm only a two-year-old winery. So we had a 23-year <laughs> preseason. You're Young just a buck. babe in the woods Thank when you. it comes to Thank that. <laughs> so it is fun to be here. We are in one of your cellar rooms. This is a beautiful old room in the what used to be the Novitiate Winery. Yeah, the, the Novitiate of Los Gatos is one of the most important part of California wine history. Uh, most people don't think of a winery that's six minutes from Netflix and eight minutes from eBay and 12 minutes from Apple as being part of California wine history, but, but it was actually built in 1888. Uh, the cellar we're in right now was completed in 1892, mm-hmm. uh, and we use it for a lot of social events and dinners and corporate events and uh, you know, receptions for weddings and all kinds of different things. So it's really fun to have this authentic piece of California wine history right here in Silicon Valley. And this looks like a wine cellar. I mean, we've got the vaulted ceiling, we've got the thick walls. It's actually very cool in here, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure was on purpose to keep all the wine cool. Yeah, it's a great space. And you're going to hear in the background, it's a busy time at Testarossa. This is harvest time, so they're bringing grapes in, and you guys are getting ready for some catering events. So the noise you hear in the background is the sound of a busy winery, and um, we're happy to be here. Well, that's very exciting. It's uh, it's a, it's a living, uh, breathing thing, and particularly during harvest, we have the smell of grapes that permeates throughout all of the cellars, the fermenting uh, fermenting grapes I love throughout that smell. The, the buildings. And, and uh, you know, after the interview, we'll go up and, uh, and taste some of the grapes. We, we're just finishing our Pinot Noir harvest, so we're, we're here in the uh, early part of October. It's a later than normal uh, harvest this year, which is actually nice. It gives a, a long, long hang time. Uh, the weather has been super mild, which we love. Uh, last few years, we've had some very big heat spikes, which uh, which can dehydrate the grapes versus ripen them. So the ripeness is just fantastic this year. We're, we're, we're really excited about it. So we're talking about the 2018 vintage, and I'm hearing from a lot of people that this could be the vintage of the century. You know, just ask our marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we want to talk to you a little bit about is 
how you, your story and your path into wine. Um, so you were in high tech and you were an engineer by training, but now you have this amazing winery and property. How'd yeah, you get here? It's, how did uh, that happen? It's, it, it's an actually a, a, an interesting path that actually started on two wheels. And you might shake your head and go, what, two wheels? Well, I was a very avid bicyclist in the 1970s. And when I got to be in college, uh, I was studying software engineering and my my partner and, and uh, bride of 30 years, Diana, uh, was studying electrical engineering. Uh, but I minored in Italian because of my love of bicycling. And because of a great program at Santa Clara University uh, here in, in Santa Clara County, uh, I had the opportunity to do a studies abroad uh, immersion where I lived with a family in central Italy uh, in the town of Assisi, where, where St. Francis and St. Clara are from. Uh, the professor and his wife uh, would take me, since I was a little older than some of the other students on the trip, uh, to some wonderful dinners and drink some amazing wines and fantastic food. And, and it just opened this whole part of my, my brain that the math and the science and the computer programming uh, didn't fulfill. And this, uh, this, this passion exploded. Then my college roommate, his father, was quite a wine collector invited us over to, uh, to a dinner at their home. Just some modest wines. Uh, we people, oh, the 45 Mouton, blah, blah, blah. Well, it was, it was a La Crema Pinot Noir and a, and a Mandavi Fumé Blanc uh, at this dinner that went, wow, this is way better than the box of fine Rhine wine that we have in, in our apartment. So uh, uh, it really uh, was the beginning of a, of a journey that led to home winemaking. We never started this as a, as a planned business. We never thought we would quit our jobs in high tech. We never thought we would have 165 employees. Yeah. Uh, but here, 25 years later, we're living the dream and having a fun, fun, fun time. What was the turning point for you when you said, okay, I'm, I'm okay leaving my job in tech to do this full time? Yeah, we, we were very fortunate. Uh, we started at Cinnabar Winery with George Traquato as the winemaker there. Uh, I volunteered. I, I, I love to tell my team members here that my first job in the wine business was super romantic. Uh, I got to park cars for their harvest festival where they were doing the, the grape stop out in the vineyards. Hey, that's important. That's so uh, the cars need to be parked. Don't hit that vine. Back, <laughs> slow. Back, stop. <laughs> stop. Uh, so, uh, so it just started as a volunteering uh, with, with Ron Mosley in the vineyards and George in the cellars. And he turned us on to a small vineyard that was just 900 vines off of Zioni Road, very close to, to David Bruce today. Uh, it was a mess. It was a Lockheed engineer who was doing it on weekends. It was 18-year-old vines. The deer fence had fallen down. There were redwood trees sprouting in the middle of the rows. Uh, but we took 30 friends, and we went and restored this whole vineyard because we were just passionate. We couldn't stop learning about wine. So cool. And you were the first winemaker for your winery, is that correct? You know, I, I, I love to, uh, to tell people that the, they say, what's the best thing you ever did to, for your success? I said, well, we fired that first winemaker. He was incompetent. <laughs> and then I give him my business card and they go, oh, you were the first winemaker? Oh, yeah, there's no way I would run a winery with me as the winemaker. You know, I, 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 you know, I, I made wine that, uh, that I could drink, but uh, not, not I could sell. Could, so, nobody else could drink at home. So George was our first winemaker when we moved here uh, in Los Gatos in 1997. Uh, shortly thereafter, Bill Brousseau. I uh, graduated from St. Francis High School uh, here in, locally, and then UC Davis. Uh, he, we, we met him through Michael Michaud, who was then the winemaker at Shalone, and he just said, you know, this guy is going to be a superstar someday. 
and that was 18 years ago. He's so still here. Bill is uh, Bill is uh, running his 19th vintage here. Wow, that's great. That's great. Um, and when you got started, you had to rely on help from some investors, and um, there's something, some story about you over-promising or overselling your vintage. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> well, invest, investors is a, is, a, is, a, is a relative term. Our very first, uh, this little, little vineyard of 900 vines, uh, we needed to raise oh, about about a thousand dollars to uh, buy material to repair the deer fences, to buy netting, a, a backpack sprayer. It was too small to have a tractor or anything, but for for spraying for mildew and so forth. And we needed to to raise about a thousand dollars. Well, I had the idea of taking the old French concept of futures, but taking it one step further, which I called future futures which means for $100, you can get a case of our wine and the exclusive right to come help us with the restoration of this vineyard. And if you don't uh, turn in your $100, then you can't come help us do this. <laughs> well, I thought, well, I'll send the, this, this letter to 30 friends. And, and uh, mm -hmm. we, we were expecting the whole vineyard to make maybe about 15 cases. Okay. Yeah. The, the, there was a share crop deal with the Lockheed engineer. He said, I'm just thrilled that somebody's going to take it over. Give me a couple cases, and we'll call it even. You know, your labor is restoring, making my property more valuable. And I, of course, I wanted a couple of cases, and I thought, well, if we're making 15 cases, if I can sell 11 of them, then that would be great. So that covers your costs. That was I, your goal. That was our goal. And, and we had a six-month-old baby. We were in, we were in a in a tiny house that we we uh, overextended ourselves for. So we didn't, you know, that amount of money seems small now, but 1993 was a, a huge amount of money where we were. So I sent out 30 letters, uh, hoping to get 10 people to send checks back. Well, I got 29 checks back. And that was really, I think, the changing changing moment where I had gone from engineering into marketing and sales. And the, and the first thing you learn in sales is once you've got the order, especially you got the payment, you don't return it because you don't have enough product. You go find more product. Yes. Yeah. And George, uh, George Riccuato told us about the Shalom Winery that was selling some grapes to promote the Shalom Appalachian. Uh, we ended up buying three tons of fruit from them for the 1994 vintage. Uh, which ended up uh, making you know, a little over 200 cases of wine, uh, which was way more than we needed uh, and uh, cost way more than I had because, yeah, I had that extra $1,900. Well, mm. yeah, it was uh, fortunately the startup software company I was working for went, uh, went public right at that point. Oh, lucky you. And my, my first uh, stock options were able to just pay for those grapes and those barrels and the, and the winemaking from See, year one. This was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, we, 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 uh, we our, our first 10 years, we described it as running down a hill so steep that you can't stop. Oh, God. And then if you fall, mm -hmm. it's good. There's just jagged rocks that will just shred you to pieces. Oh. So, so just keep running. Keep running. <laughs> so this is important for people because so many people think, I want to get into the wine business. It's a lot of work, and it, I'm sure running down that hill was scary at times. Well, you know, it was particularly you know, at times like uh, when 9/11 happened. Uh, you know, our biggest markets were in New York, mm. in Boston, in Washington, in Hawaii, in, in Colorado, all the places that people couldn't fly to anymore. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, the, so those were scary times. And you know, the Great Recession. Well, the first thing that people stopped buying are luxury items, and. You know, even here in Silicon Valley, our events business is really important to our success. You know, Apple was making money you know, hand over fist with the iPhone, but they didn't want to look 
uh, irresponsible by going to this fancy winery. Right. Uh, and it was like, well, please come to this fancy winery because we may not be here by the time this recession is done. Help a brother so, out. Uh, so they, they've, they've been great. And, uh, and uh, you know, we've got just a, a lot of weddings. We do, uh, one of my favorite things is, is we do a lot of celebration of life uh, mm-hmm. ceremonies mm-hmm. for people who really love wine, who their family comes and say, this was my father's, my grandfather's, my wife's favorite place to go. It was always so serene. And, and this is where you know, we want to celebrate his or her life nice. and not mourn, but you know, share. And, uh, and, and I've been invited to several of those. And it's very, very touching to, to hear the, the speeches and the, and the goodness. Well, yeah. Isn't that what wine is all about, a celebration of life? It really is. It really is. It's, uh, it's, it's just such a joy. I mean, you know, Diane and I pinch ourselves every day. We just kind of how did two Silicon Valley engineers end up in this, you know, 130-year-old winery uh, that has this amazing history with a fantastic winemaker and, and the cadre of vineyards that we've been able to partner with, you know, mainly in, in Monterey, Santa Barbara, Santa Cruz Mountains, uh, San Luis Obispo are, are just fantastic. And yeah. celebrating 25 years, so congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You feel like tasting any wine today? No. Nah, no. not that. How about we thing? drink some? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What did you bring us? So one of the things that we really uh, are emphasizing uh, in the last few years is our education, wine education. Uh, sometimes uh, people call it edutainment. So it's we're, mm-hmm. we're having fun, but we're learning at the same time. And in Pinot Noir, which is our, our main red varietal, uh, the, the biggest kind of mystery about Pinot Noir is this thing called clones, mm-hmm. is the different genetic makeups of they're all 100% Pinot Noir, but it, it might be a, a Pisoni clone or a 777 clone or a Swarm clone. I feel like people's eyes start rolling when you mention clone. Well, it, they do because they don't know what it is. They hear the words. Mm-hmm. And what we've done is we've actually taken one vineyard and taken and bottled three different separate bottlings, each clone. So you can... You buy these in a three-pack. You can take one of our specialty classes or at Testarossa University. We have a whole class and understand, oh, this is why these different things are mixed together. It's, it's like a chef in the kitchen you know, will have multiple different spices that they'll put on a dish right. as opposed to just mm-hmm. one because they all add a little different character. So this is from the doctor's vineyard. This is a vineyard that uh, was planted by Nikki Hahn, uh, the late founder of the Hahn Family Winery. Uh, it is called the Doctor's Vineyard, uh, named after his daughter Caroline, who is uh, a PhD uh, veterinary, uh, large mammal uh, veterinary doctor, and her goal is to uh, preserve the large mammals in Sub-Saharan Africa. So she works uh, out of out of uh, the UK, uh, but does a lot of work in the in the vineyards. And, and the name Doctors came because uh, she was very or is a very private person, and her dad wanted to name the vineyard after her. He named two other vineyards after her two brothers, and uh, they compromised, and they called the Doctors Vineyard after uh, after. Her. Well, of course, we have a lot of medical doctors here, so we uh, to each doctor that they, we come, we tell them it's named after. It's theirs. <laughs> So this is uh, from the 2016 vintage, and it's a it's a special label that was really a takeoff of the the handwritten labels that we have in the cellars. Mm-hmm. So uh, so this is a triple seven 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 clone. That's uh, really good. It's got a real real deep uh, mid palate mm-hmm. and and long finish. Mm-hmm. It's not as aromatic as uh, as the Swan that we'll have. So. 
And our final blends, the Swan will give a lot of the aromatics. Uh, the Calera clone, which will be the second one we taste, has a lot more of a savory character. Okay. So, so you get a layer of the rich fruit from the triple seven. Mm-hmm. We taste the Calera. You'll get some savory characters with just really round. Now, now I'm starting. To, my mouth is starting to water. Well, you should take a sip now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Time to drink. This is really earthy and you know, like rich black fruit, like lots of black cherry mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah, cherry for sure. Yeah, they come in a three pack, so mm-hmm. you can you you get all three and then have a dinner party and say, okay, which which one do you like? And the biggest thing we hear back is people they blend their own. Oh, and that's great! And the goal is so to, they play winemaker. Right, is they have a fourth glass and then let's let's take a little bit of each one of these mm. and then make one that's better than each one of the individual. Oh, parts. that's so fun! That's so, that is a great so it's a, idea. It's, it's a winemaker in a box. Yes. Love it. That's and the whole thing is now you have to have. Well, you don't have to have more than two people, but with three <laughs> bottles, you probably want to have more yeah, than two exactly. people. Yeah, exactly. You got a party well, three. in a box. This works good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, that's we great. We move on to what's the next one? So we'll do the Calera clone. Okay. So this is uh, Josh Jensen, who is no relation but a dear friend, uh, founded the Calera Winery, boy, I think 40, 45 years ago in San Benito uh, County, which is very close to Monterey, right next to Monterey. And uh, he has a background of studying winemaking in France and as one of the real true California wine pioneers for Pinot Noir. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very honored when he was inducted into the Pinot Noir, World of Pinot Noir Hall of Fame and I was one of, of three of his colleagues that was asked to speak on his behalf. And, uh, oh, and nice. I thanked him for paving the way for, for us youngsters. We've only been doing this for 25 years. Uh, <laughs> you know, of, of, you know, you know, Standing on the shoulders of greatness, uh, you can see a little bit farther. So. Yeah, this is really beautiful. And it is so different from the first yeah, one. Yeah, you said it's, it's round and mm-hmm. supple. It's nice. Yeah, that's that's when you mentioned you know, clones, is that yeah, most people do kind of roll their eyes a little bit because they've never had the chance to taste them individually. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you go into a kitchen and mm-hmm. here is my Mediterranean spice rub, but you've never tasted oregano separate from garlic, right. separate from paprika. That's and a great just, way to describe it. So mm-hmm. now when you mm-hmm. taste each of the different pieces, like, yeah. oh, well, these together would I go really yeah. nice. Yeah. Do you find that your visitors, your customers are becoming thirstier and thirstier, if you will, for more knowledge, to know the difference between the clones, to know what goes into the wine blend? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it just makes it so much more fun. And, and anything that is really interesting you want to learn more. Mm-hmm. And when you get to drink while you're learning, mm-hmm. that's even yeah. extra more fun. I so, I mean, if my university had had wine, <laughs> I would have done so much better. You wouldn't have graduated. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, so we, uh, we actually have uh, four full-time wine educators. Mm-hmm. So we have what we call Testrosa University uh, that runs year-round. So that's typically on Tuesday or Wednesday evenings. And testrosa.com will have a tab that says Testrosa mm-hmm. University on that. Yeah. And then on... And who are the students? Who's, who's interested in this? You know, it is everything from millennials to, you know, people who are great-grandparents. You yeah. know, that just, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the older ones, they're often saying, well, you know, I wish I had learned this, you know, 40 years ago because mm-hmm. I would have enjoyed wine so much more. Yeah. So, um, and I've had the... Um, Good fortune to sit in on a couple classes over the years, and they're really fun. And you taste wines that are not just Testarossa wines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's education first. You know, of course we uh, we always have a little twist because uh, we are here. 
ask, but you know, uh, you know one of the favorite ones is uh, is the is the Wine Route 101 that goes from uh, Willamette Valley all the way down to Santa Barbara. So you know, tasting the different Pinot Noir that are all within five miles of Highway 101, mm -hmm. wow. a thousand miles apart. Yeah. So it's uh, that's yeah. great. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, fascinating. Absolutely. Well, let's taste the last one. And as you're pouring that, Rob, you know. I'm curious, what has really changed for you, for the wine industry, since you started Testarossa? Wow, that is a... Yeah, that'll... <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Next question. Pass. But um, how have you seen things change in terms of the, the, the wine scene in general, and also and um, we'll get into this a little more, the visitor experience and what visitors want today versus what they wanted 20 years ago. Well, the, the depth of knowledge uh, of, of the wine lovers is, is much higher. Mm -hmm. uh, the internet has been a tremendous boon for education because you can travel to the vineyards of France and you can you know, do everything but taste and smell the, the old cellars from the you know, second century in Champagne. You know, which we never could do before. Yeah. Uh, so the knowledge is there. People want to learn more. Uh, the the big challenge and and where we've completely reinvented our business was 15 years ago we were distributed in 38 states and nine countries. So you could buy Estrosa Pinot Noir at the Four Seasons in Tokyo, the Grand Hyatt in Dubai, Harrods Department Store in London, wow. you know, Toronto, you know, Amsterdam, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Of course, New York, Chicago, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, but. Now, with the, the globalization, there's so many more wineries, uh, not mm -hmm. only in North America, but around the world, right. uh, and price cutting and so forth, that we've completely changed our model, where we're 90% now direct to consumer, meaning that there are 90% of our sales come from people who come to the winery, who are one of our 5,000 mm -hmm. wine club members, mm -hmm. both here and our tasting room in Carmel Valley Village, which we opened two years That's ago. Right. Uh, that uh, that they can come here and not have to rely on some internet review or some right. some wine writer mm -hmm. that you, know, you know, whose name is on the magazine, but he sold the magazine three years ago, mm -hmm. and we all know mm -hmm. who I'm talking yes. about. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, people can come here; they can taste. We have our outdoor wine bar. Mm -hmm. They can they sit down. Experience. They can have light live music. Mm -hmm. They can take an education class. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all kinds of special things. But tasting the wine here in these 19th century cellars is yeah. just. It's magical. Absolutely, is it? And and you never forget that. You go home and you tell your friends about it. And when you have a bottle of Testarossa, you remember that takes you, you associated. Back. You, you of remember course, what yeah. a great time you had. Mm -hmm. Well, one of the, one of the favorite things when we designed our current label uh, for the 2007 vintage, so that was you know what, 11, 12 years ago. The uh, the input from one of our team here was uh, have the image, uh, artist rendition of the entry to the winery. And, uh, and she said, have one of the doors open because we want people to know mm. we're open seven days a week. Yeah. And I've probably heard our members and visitors tell their friends this you know, a thousand times. Aww. And it's just, That's it's cool. kind of really kind of fun, subtle little marketing of, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, you know, where it's, you know, so many up in the North Coast and so forth, because there's so many wineries, mm -hmm. you know, you mm -hmm. buy appointment and it's $75 mm -hmm. to taste and, right. you know, all that. So, uh, so we're kind of a little bit of a throwback yeah, on that. Well, and, you know, I don't think, you know, for visitors who come to Cal Northern California, especially outside of the state, 
aren't as familiar with the wine scene here, they're probably surprised to find out there are even wineries in Silicon Valley. Right. It's, it is fascinating in the midst of all this technology that here you are in the middle of Silicon Valley and, um, you know, and I, and a huge draw for all the techies. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it's a nice respite from the world of technology that we're surrounded by. Yeah, we, uh, we, we often get told that, you know, especially like, you know, I mentioned our, our friends who make the iPhone a little bit earlier, you know, they have a new $5 billion spaceship and the most uh, uh, cutting edge uh, vent rooms and so forth, yet they still like to come here to get away from it all. Mm-hmm. To, uh, and it's only 17 minutes away. Yeah. So uh, cool. you can't really uh, recreate an 19th century cellar. No, yeah. Well, they probably could, but well. <laughs> it's a recreation. Exactly. This is the real deal. Yeah, it's authentic. Hey, tell us about this third clone we're tasting. So this, uh, the third clone, uh, is the is the Calera clone. That uh, I'm sorry, no. we, we declared no. the Swan no. clone. So sorry, we did this declare. So the Swan clone is uh, Joe Swan is uh, one of the very very early pioneers of California Pinot Noir up in the Russian River Valley, and one of the first people in California to actually name a clone after the genetic mutation that happened in his vineyard up in the Russian River Valley. So this is a wine that gives the most feminine character to the wine, gives the, the most aroma, so the most delicate, so floral, it just, it's very perfumey. Yeah, where, the, yeah, perfume. where, the, where the triple seven, that's kind of the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, and this is the Sophia Loren that, that they just you know, give both strength, yet have that sure. beauty and that elegance. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah, so, you, can, just, you can smell and taste such a difference. This is so much fun, and you know, it's, we are always looking for ways to make wine more fun, more approachable for people, and I think this does Oh, it. I love this blending in a box thing. Yeah. I also wanted to ask you about the fact that Diana has been your partner in this all these years, and you have two adult children? Yes. Are they into the business as well, or? So our, our daughter just graduated, Claire, just graduated uh, in, uh, in accounting from Santa Clara University, where Diana and I met, and where her brother went, so we're all, all Broncos. Uh-huh. Uh, she's actually working in a parallel industry in accounting. Uh, she is working for a startup firm that is focused on accounting services for the cannabis industry. Okay. Oh, interesting. And uh, so she has gone to some of their clients. She said, Dad, this is just like what I grew up with. Hmm. Here's the farm. Here's uh-huh. how you process process it. You know, here's all the government regulations. You got to make sure people don't get too intoxicated and, you know, uh, token drive and, uh, you know, it's a... Uh, well, and the, know, different ty- the different varieties different and the different, you know, and, and, the different uh, buzzes or whatever. She, yeah, she just thought that was just the funniest thing of how, uh-huh. how similar they were because you know, they grew up in this of, well, this is what mom and dad were just focused on. And, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. you know, any teenager or whatever is like, well, I don't want to do what my mom and dad right. are doing because that's, you know, that's not cool. Yeah. Uh, our, our son, uh, he's a civil engineer. He works for a big uh, um, commercial contractor, Devcon Construction here, owned by Gary Felicetti and Brett Sisney, who also happen to own our largest single grape source, the Fogstone Vineyard in the Santa Lucia Highlands. So it's, oh, and they both went to Santa Clara. Okay. So uh, it, is a, it is a very, oh, yes. uh, very, very I'm, small I'm circle. I'm sensing a theme here. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, so yes, our little joke is, is that if we're late for paying for our grapes uh, from your vineyard, you can just dock our, our son's pay, <laughs> which, which Gary and Brett and she Diane and I think that. is hilarious. Yes. Nick doesn't think it's funny well, at all. Yeah. So. But, uh, but, but Nick's uh, been dating a young lady for a year who actually got her analogy degree at Cal Poly. And uh, his interest in wine has skyrocketed since he started started isn't dating that, Aaron. So, isn't that uh, something? So, uh, <laughs> so your people say, are your kids going to take over the business? 
And, uh, and my common response is I had the great fortune to be on a panel and meet Robert Mondavi many, many times uh, before he passed away at the age of 94. Well, he retired when he was 93. Yes. And his brother Peter, who ran the Charles Krug Winery, retired at 100 and died six months later. So my response is I'm retiring at 130. <laughs> and, uh, so I still got Sorry, 60, okay. 70 years to go. I'm not sure how that math works. Well, we sure know you're doing great things, and we're Absolutely. glad you're celebrating 25 years. Mm -hmm. Should we do um, some rapid-fire yeah, questions? Yeah, we should. Uh -oh. so I need a drink. There you go. All right, so here we go. Cork or screw cap? Yes. <laughs> you don't care either way? You know, we, uh, we actually, in 1999, we had a corked bottle of our Diana's Chardonnay, which is our reserve Chardonnay, at home. And I was so mad, uh, I sent a email to our then 42 people on our email list, there's now 30,000 I think, uh, saying, you know, what if you could have this wine with dead tree bark or a perfect screw cap, you know, what would you choose? And like, you know, of course I, you know, <laughs> skewed. I say tree bark. Yes, I did say that. I, I had a glass or two of wine when I said that. Well, the responses were overwhelmingly, like 85% were like, you know, whatever makes the wine better. However, the top 10 customers that we had at the time, every one of them said, we will never buy another bottle of your wine if you uh, put them in screw caps. So we have our entry level, our, our, uh, our, our low oak level wine called mm -hmm. Cuvée Los Gatos by mm -hmm. Testarossa. Mm -hmm. uh, that wrap usually sells between 18 and $25 a bottle. That's all on screw cap. Yep. And we've been making screw cap wines uh, for close to 15 years now. And okay. uh, uh, that uh, when it's the Testarossa wines, when you get 25, 30, $40 mm -hmm. and above, people still want corks. They want that cork. And we have an all, no, no restrictions, you know, guarantee, you have a corked wine, you drop the bottle on the ground, it gets frozen in shipment, which happened to Mrs. Schwartz in Chicago when a friend of her husband sent a bottle from Seattle to them in Chicago. Oh, we replaced the one. Yeah. We don't care. Yeah. So you're always going to be guaranteed. Perfect. All right, so yes is All the right, answer. So How let's about... get back on track. Okay. Rapid fire. Um, red, white, or pink? Yeah. <laughs> yes. no you way. can't just say yes to every question. Well, they, <laughs> no. All right, it, it, let's try this one. It, 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 stem or no stem? No stem. Why? In California, the stems are rarely lignified. They're very, they're typically very green. Oh no, I'm not talking about the grapes. Glassware. Stem. Oh, glassware. Stem, oh, or, I thought stem or no stem? Um, oh, stem, absolutely. Okay. Okay. How about um, go-to wine at, on a regular weeknight? Go-to wine on a regular yeah, weekend. Yeah, like is it a Chard, is it a Pinot? What do you open more of? You know, we we uh, quick, quick, drink quick. a lot of Chardonnay. <laughs> I would say yeah, we, we always start with a Chardonnay, but sometimes we finish with other things. What do you drink when you're not drinking wine? Uh, uh, Irish whiskey. I like to finish my, my evening with uh, being three quarters Irish. Uh, I don't know, just something genetically calls me back to the to the old Emerald Isle. Okay. Um, maybe biggest mistake you've made along the way. I have, wow, that's uh, too hard. No, I just, uh, I mean, there's a, uh, you know, I, I have to credit Bill Murphy at Clos Lachance. He, uh, he gave me some advice very early on. He said, as soon as you identify a mistake, the first thing you need to do is cut bait and not try to you know, fix it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I've taken that advice and. Uh, so you don't look back. Yeah, that's kind of like, you know, just, just take, take, take your small loss. It's, it's the gambler who's like, oh, I'm going to make it up. Like, no, that never happens. Good yeah. point. I like that. Okay. Your favorite place to drink wine? My backyard. Aw. Nice. 
most memorable wine location? Like, have you traveled and found a really special place for, you know, whether you discovered a wine there or just to enjoy a bottle of wine, most exotic? Uh, yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is, is in, uh, in Chianti Classico, a uh, winery called Felsina. Uh, we stayed at a uh, bed and breakfast they had at the winery. It's near Siena. And Giuseppe Mazzucolin, the, the owner and winemaker there, just for Diane and I, he opened like eight bottles of wine for lunch. We, of course, we didn't drink all of them. And then he sent us back to our room with them. And we just like, this is the coolest thing. And it was a, it was a cold September day. And we finished with some grappa in this giant fireplace where we could actually sit inside the fire. It was, it was like you know, eight feet high, oh, wow. five feet massive. deep. Oh, yeah. It was just kind of one of these. This, uh, <laughs> so, yes. That sounds down. pretty cool. Oh, nice. Yeah. Ice cube or no ice cubes in wine? Uh, if it needs it, absolutely. Yeah, it's uh, uh, your most uh, medium-priced restaurants can't afford the refrigeration to serve a red wine at cellar temperature, which for me, I like my red wine at 60 degrees. So you will see me 20, 30 times a, a year in a restaurant, uh, there, one, one here locally, I won't mention them, but uh, that, that I'm always putting a little bit of ice in my red wine. Mm-hmm. Any varietal you don't care for? Zinfandel. Interesting. Sorry, Paul Draper. It's okay. <laughs> Best wine you or Bill Brousseau here has ever made for Testarossa? I would say the, the 2005 Diana's Chardonnay, which is our reserve Chardonnay, uh, that wine, I, I, God, I wish I had 10 cases of it right, <laughs> right now. Uh, the last bottle we drank was when I was 12 years old, and we said, oh, God, this wine's got 20 more years on it, but it's so good that we it just finished it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What would you tell yourself 25 years ago? What would you tell young Rob you know, what bit of advice would you give him now? You know, I get asked a lot about, you know, what advice do you have for me to get in the wine business? Mm-hmm. And, and right now I say, um, don't do it. <laughs> enjoy, <laughs> enjoy wine. It's, uh, I mean, we were extremely lucky. Uh, you know, uh, we met Gary Pisoni uh, serendipitously on a day where, you know, he had overslept. We were going to leave, but it was garbage day. And found an odd-shaped bottle, which was a first-growth Bordeaux in his recycling bin out, out, out in his farmhouse. And did Gonzales. a little dumpster diving, did and, you? Yeah, and it was like if I had not been there on that garbage day and saw that bottle of wine, we probably wouldn't be sitting here. So there's so many lucky breaks mm. that we've had along the mm-hmm. way that, uh, that uh, you know. But uh, the, the biggest advice is uh, don't get set in your ways. Be adaptive. Uh, people don't like change. But if we had not changed what we did 15 years ago, to be you know, focused you know, on the tasting room. At the time we took over the tasting room here in 2003, we didn't have the money to do it. But, and the bank wouldn't loan us money. It was the worst recession in a generation. Uh, we don't forget about that because of 2008, 2009. But we had to go get some personal loans to be able to, to take over the whole lease for this, this winery um, you know, from friends. And, um, and that was the best thing we ever did. Awesome. Well, glad you did. <laughs> This, this is not a rapid-fire question, but we can't let you go without bringing up the fact that we've known you for some time now. Um, we, when we started our TV show in wine country, some of our listeners may remember, you were one of the first guests. We did a segment on Testarossa back in 2004. Wow. Was yeah. it 2004? 2004. That, that was back when I had red, red hair. You did have red hair. <laughs> 
And 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 that has something to do with the name of the winery, right? Yeah, well, that was the, the family that I lived with in Assisi. I grew up in, in Palo Alto with bright red hair and being called the carrot top when I was younger. Well, when I went to Assisi with my intern, or my, my studies abroad, uh, the first thing they said to me was, Bienvenuto, Senor Testarosa, which means, welcome, Mr. Redhead. Aww. So Testa is head, Rosa is red, mm-hmm. and that's why the uh, name of the winery is Testarosa. For our 25th anniversary party about a month ago, I secretly had my hair dyed back to the red it was 30 years ago. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Uh, uh, a lot, <laughs> lot, lot of people thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I love that's it. That's pretty cool. Awesome. Well, but it's have... just been so great, you know, revisiting and... Catching up with you Seeing what you're doing and seeing how successful you and Diana and your crew have been. Mm -hmm. Just all the um, joy you're bringing to people here in the wine world. Well, we... uh I knew that this was the, the future uh, for for us when one of our very first restaurant placements was in Sausalito and I got a letter from a gentleman who said I never drank white wine but the waiter insisted trying a Testarossa Chardonnay and said that if I don't like it then the waiter will buy me the bottle. Well it was the first bottle of white wine that my wife and I have consumed in 20 years. We are now huge white wine fans. We've joined your wine club. And he signed it, thank you for making things that make people happy. Oh, who doesn't and, want to do that, and right? And that was the day that we stopped making wine and we started making happiness. Oh, Rob, that's Perfect. a great way to end Perfect. this segment. Yes. Thank you so much. I just blended mine I know Mary bit. was, you know, pouring a little bit of this and that into Yeah, your to make my perfect Mary blend. What and do you think? I, I love it. I, right. Actually, I loved all three clones, but my blend is especially good. And uh, what a delight to get to visit with you, Rob. Well, Thank you. Great to we see you want to make sure we invite all of our listeners to come out to Testarossa Vineyards and Winery here in Los Gatos. It's not far from San Francisco. You're about an hour from San Francisco Correct. if the traffic's rolling. Um, maybe 15 minutes from San Jose. It's a great spot where you can enjoy a glass of wine out on the patio and have mm-hmm. fun with your friends. It's lovely. Yes, so um, we will post some information on our website at sipsiphoorayspodcast.com, links to Testarossa, a list of the wines we've tasted, and some photos, too. Rob, thanks for joining yes. us. Give our best to Thank Diana. Cheers, Rob. Cheers. Cheers.